When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast, presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download it today. Use the promo code DNBR when you sign up. Love is in the air, folks. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you DNBR Rams listeners out there. Hope all of you are having an enjoyable day in some regard, whether you have a significant other or not. Honestly, the single folks out there, you might be the happier ones anyways. You can treat yourself and do exactly what you want on this day. You know, eating a whole pizza, that's better than eating half a pizza. Just saying. Anyways, we are going to be talking basketball for the most part on this podcast. Going to preview the Boise State game. Before we do that, though, we're going to go back on this day in Rams history and talk about a big win in Laramie for the Magnificent Seven CSU Men's Basketball. That was such a fun year. Looking forward to kind of going down memory lane and talking about some of those players. I'll definitely always have a soft spot in my heart for that squad. Before we talk hoops, though, we are going to talk about our old friend, Mike Bobo, who is the new offensive coordinator at the University of Georgia. Bobo returns to the same role he held with the Bulldogs before he came out to Fort Collins and was head coach of the Rams from 2015 through 2019. He'll now be back out on the field with his college teammate, Kirby Smart. And honestly, I think it's a really solid hire for Georgia. He was on the staff last year as an analyst. You would think because of that, the transition will be a little bit smoother. He's a veteran coach. He's been through this process before, so it's not like it would be overwhelming anyways. But He already has a feel for the roster, the players, what they do well and what they don't, what the coaches are like as people, just the general atmosphere and vibe of what it's like to work inside that building and in that program. You have some idea, given that you played there, you coached there from 99 through 2014. I think he had one season in 2000 where he was at Jacksonville State, but other than that, was always at Georgia prior to coming to CSU. But every regime is different. And instead of being the guy that comes in and tries to rely solely on his past experience, well, when I was here the last time, we used to do it like this. We've all had that coworker in our life, whether it was a restaurant or whatever. They worked there, went off somewhere else to greener pastures, and ultimately ended up back in the exact same position. Elements of that position change, though, and the current regime, they don't necessarily care about what it was back then. It's all about the current status quo. And Mike got to kind of like dip his toes into all of that over the last season. When you're an analyst, you're a part of the staff. You're definitely impactful. And Todd Monken gave a lot of credit to Bobo for, you know, being selfless and the input that he had. It's enough to get a feel for things, especially what it's like working with those offensive coaches more than, you know, the players specifically. And I just think that's really beneficial in terms of being able to hit the ground running. He doesn't have to have that 10 to 14-day period where he's just trying to feel everybody out and gain a sense of what it's like working around them. He knows a lot of that information. And in theory, he can just seamlessly slide into that role as offensive coordinator. And in my opinion, 
he's going to kill it. I think he's going to be a home run hire as the OC at Georgia. He's a brilliant offensive mind. I know that he didn't necessarily have the success that any of us were expecting or, or hoping for in Fort Collins, but largely the offense was really, really successful under him. When you look at the numbers, 29.3 points per game in 2015, jumped all the way up to 35.3 points per game in 2016, 2017, 33.4 points per game. And even in 2019, where they had all the injuries, they still averaged 28 points a game. As far as play design and scripting goes, I think he is certainly above average. If you could take the defense from last year and combine it with the offense from the end of the 2016 season, 2017 stretch with Nick Stevens, Gallup, Daylon Dawkins, all those guys, they would have ran the table or at least been really successful. They played Alabama in 2017, so maybe not run the table. But he really found his groove with that offense. They were so balanced. They ran the hell out of the football. They created opportunities down the field off of play action. They had multiple productive receivers, got the tight ends involved. I mean, offensively, they were really hard to stop there for a couple of years. Defensively, they just struggled to get stops in big games. And obviously that falls on Bobo as a head coach, but as an OC, that's not going to concern him. Some guys are great coordinators and great head coaches. Some guys are great coordinators, but they are terrible head coaches. Others are somewhere in between, and that's probably where I would label Bobo. Certainly not a great head coach, given his lack of success in the big games. I also wouldn't say he's a bad coach. I mean, I just have so much respect for what he brings to the table offensively. I think he is a people person, and that players like to and enjoy playing for Bobo. But I don't think he thrived at being the CEO of the program, and that's where Jay is is definitely killing it. Not sure as a whole if the program had a ton of discipline or accountability under Bobo either, and that kind of just comes down to maybe not knowing what you're doing as a first-time head coach or being a little bit in over your head. Maybe that wouldn't be a trouble the second time around. I don't know. My personal opinion is that Bobo probably learned a lot this first time around, and if he has success as an offensive coordinator at Georgia, could be a successful G5 head coach. I could see him killing it at a place like Tulane. I wonder if he'll want to leave, though. Mike is definitely a family man, a great dad, and his family's had to move around quite a bit over the last couple years. I mean, Auburn, South Carolina, back to Georgia. It wouldn't be shocking to me if Bobo found success as an OC and just decided, you know, hey, been there, done that. The grass isn't always necessarily greener. My roots are here. I'll be a Georgia Bulldog until I'm done coaching college, and then I could see him settling down and just being a high school coach somewhere. Who knows, honestly, but I do think that it's a good hire for Georgia. I think that it makes a lot of sense. I do worry a little bit that he'll be the scapegoat if Georgia takes you know, a step back as a program at all. He was already kind of a scapegoat in 2014 when a lot of Georgia fans were, in my opinion, weirdly happy to see him go. I think to an extent, it was just a product of wanting something new and desperately wanting to be able to break through into that next caliber of SEC contender, which Georgia has obviously done in these last, you know, five, six years. But it's not like Georgia's shortcomings were largely on the offense. I mean, they definitely needed to recruit a better caliber of quarterback for the most part. You had Matthew Stafford. But it was tough because it's the Tebow era in the mid-2000s, and then Auburn does their little run with Cam Newton. Bama was obviously already established by 2008-2009 under Saban, and from there they just never slowed down. 
It's not like Georgia was a slouch, though. They went 10-3 and in 2014. And even if they had some shortcomings, it, it was not on the offense. It really all came down to defense. The 2022 Georgia Bulldogs allowed a touchdown less per game than the 2014 did while scoring the same amount of points. That's a huge difference. And then when you look at those three losses specifically, again, they went 10-3. and three. The defense allowed 35.3 points per game in those three losses. The offense still scored 26.3. It's not like they got shut out or completely you know, dominated. And that 2014 offense, which was really balanced, 550 a game basically, and they just ran the hell out of it with uh, Todd Gurley. Their quarterback, though, was a guy named Hudson Mason. He was on the bench for three years, and he started as a senior. And I'm a big SEC fan, and honestly, I do not remember that name. Bobo consistently got the best out of him and a lot of Georgia quarterbacks over the years, and I think you could say the same at CSU. Nick Stevens certainly thrived under him. He's old school, and in an era where it's you know increasingly become about spreading it out and throwing it 70 times a game, Mike really loves to run the football, and I think that's why he's going to do so well there. Their identity at its core is to run it down your throat. They've improved in the passing game, and they've modernized with some of the stuff that they do vertically, but ultimately what they want to do is just run it through your face over and over and over again. And even if they go down, they'll return to the run game because that's what their identity is. Bobo's not going to get cute. He's just going to do what works for those guys. And as long as that defense doesn't just completely fall off a cliff or something, I think Georgia's just going to keep on contending. Kirby Smart's a great head coach, one of the best in college football. While I don't want to take any shots at Mark Richt, I don't have any beef with the guy. I wouldn't say he was you know, one of the best in the game in the same way that Kirby is. It's just, it's a much better spot for Bobo now than it was in 2014. And there's some question marks about that offense post Stetson Bennett. He's, you know, been the the master of the show these last couple of years. But it's not like you're inheriting an empty tool chest or anything like that. Brock Bowers might be the best tight end prospect in history. The biggest benefit, though, is just knowing that you have a Kirby Smart-led defense and that, you know, they are going to bring it on that side of the ball. If I'm Bobo, there's basically nobody I'd rather work with. You know, Kirby, Nick Saban, it's a dream come true. Anyways, I couldn't be happier for Mike Bobo. He was always great to me back at the end of my internship. And then obviously as I transitioned into the media side of things, he was always a good dude. Represented CSU with integrity. Did right by this school at the end and saved him a bunch of money when he knew he was on the way out. I like the guy. I'm rooting for his success, and I'll be very surprised if he doesn't have it. I just think he is such a brilliant offensive mind. I think it's a perfect spot getting back with Kirby Smart, or teaming up with Kirby Smart, I should say. And God, when you look at this 2023 Georgia schedule, UT Martin, Ball State, UAB, they get Florida and Kentucky at home. It's going to be a cakewalk for them. But... Yeah, let's move on. Shout out Mike Bobo. Congratulations. Let's talk a little bit of hoops, though. Take a little trip down memory lane on this date in Rams history. We'll preview the Boise State matchup. Real quick, I want to talk to you guys about the homies over at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. DraftKings is hooking it up with more ways than ever, whether it's a no-sweat SGP in the NBA. You can boost your different legs. Up to 100%, which is always a lot of fun. All kinds of NBA action going on nightly. You can bet futures for the MLB, college basketball. I had a pretty successful Super Bowl myself, not to brag, but just keeping it real. 
Whatever you're doing, make sure you're doing it with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app and sign up with the code DNVR. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with that code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I also want to talk to you guys about Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is an amazing product that I started taking because I wanted to be healthier. I wanted more energy, but I just, I don't like taking a bunch of pills and supplements. That's never been me. And that's why AG1 is just so perfect. It's convenient in one scoop. I'm getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's a great way to start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. It's lifestyle friendly. So if you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you're good there. Less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It's less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And you don't have to just trust me either. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and it's trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Tons of people take some type of multivitamin. It's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do for yourself every single day to help take great care of yourself. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do, go to athleticgreens.com slash rams. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash rams to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Cool, cool, cool. On this day in Rams history, February 4th, 2017, CSU takes down Wyoming in Laramie 78-73. to It snapped a five-game losing streak for CSU against Wyoming. If you remember back when Larry Nance and Josh Adams were doing their thing, they were a real pain in the side for CSU. And when I was a freshman and sophomore in school, they just, they killed us every single game. Even when the Rams were good. I mean, look at that 2015 season when CSU went 27-7, and 13-5 overall, but didn't make the tournament. They got swept by Wyoming, and then Wyoming went on to win the Mountain West Tournament. In my opinion, the Pokes stole their bid. Anyways, getting sidetracked here, the point of bringing all of that up is to say that in the years leading up to this matchup, Wyoming had been a real pain for CSU. They'd lost five straight, and this you know wasn't a matchup you would have felt great going in. CSU had won three straight going in, but they only had seven scholarship players, the Magnificent Seven. Such a scrappy group they were the first team that I covered full-time. It was technically my second season covering CSU, but my first year full-time. And that scrappy group went up into Laramie and they pulled one out. It was a vintage showing from the Magnificent Seven. You look at Gian Clavelli, led the Rams with 20 points, was an absolute dog defensively, had a really key block late in the game. And offensively, he came up with some big buckets. He was the one facilitating everything, creating for himself and for others. But it wasn't like it was a one-man show. Emmanuel Amagbo had 19 points, 16 rebounds. A massive night. Prentice Nixon had 16 points, and seven of them came in the final 34 seconds to kind of help the Rams hang on. Situation where CSU established an early lead. Double digits in the first half, went into the break, up eight. Got outscored 40-37 to 37 in the second half. It was a one-point game with 103 to go. 
but a couple of timely buckets from Gian and Prentice late helped CSU seal the deal. And on that night, like many nights that season, a gritty group played their ass off and found a way. That team may have been shorthanded, the depth may have not been spectacular, but they took charges, they got steals, they were clutch in big moments, and they punched first and they punched back. CSU hadn't won at Viejas since 2003. No problem, that group goes in there, Gian hangs 37 on the board, the Rams steal one. Then in the second matchup, Magbo ends up hitting the game winner in one of the most emotional moments I've seen in person. Prentice Nixon hits a game winner in the home win over Wyoming. That team was all heart, all fight, and almost played with an irrational confidence. And the reason that I bring it up six years later is I think this CSU team down the stretch of 2023 could make a little bit of noise. I don't think they're necessarily a matchup you would want to draw in the Mountain West tournament. You don't want to deal with Isaiah Stevens. If they're going to make any type of noise, though, starting with this Boise State matchup, the Rams got to dig deep. They got to find their inner magnificent seven and play like a team that has nothing to lose. That doesn't mean that you play stupidly. It just means you go out there and you play ball and you do your thing, which is, in my opinion, what the Rams were able to do in that win over Air Force. They looked like a team that was playing confident and not like a group that was worn down from a difficult situation from a lot of challenging losses. Medved had said it himself after Utah State, after San Diego State. You know, those those tough losses add up. And when CSU and Boise played the last time, I think, you know, the Rams showed a little bit of fight at, at times, but really they were just worn down. And you could see that with the way that Boise pulled away down the stretch. I do think there are a couple of keys you can highlight for CSU in, in being competitive in this matchup, though. So I'm going to go over that real quick. When you get hurt, Backus and Shanker is here to help. Backus and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They've been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They are free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee to speak with you about your case. There's no fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. Backus and Shanker has won over $1 billion for their clients now with even more locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Backus and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Backus and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault. Car accidents, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks, they can even help if you were injured at work. Call Backus and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Backus and Shanker wins. Cool. All right. Per Kevin Lytle of the Colorado win, he was at practice on Monday. The Rams should have Tavy Jackson back. He's missed the last two games with COVID. Jalen Lake is still expected to be out. He suffered a concussion in the loss to UNLV. And the Rams have definitely missed him since he was gone. He's probably their best on-ball defender, uh, their best perimeter defender for sure. So hoping to get him back at some point. Certainly hope that he is doing okay. Concussion stuff can be really challenging, can definitely be scary. So best wishes uh, are him, you know, thinking of him during this tough time. But good to see that Tavy at least, is planning on playing. The Rams could certainly use another guy in the rotation. I will say, though, I was pleasantly surprised with what we saw from Baylor Hebb and Joe Palmer in the win over the Falcons. The other thing that I was really pleasantly surprised with was the shot selection, and that's my first key in this matchup with Boise State. The Rams were really efficient, and they found a groove offensively in that win over Air Force, and a lot of it had to do with not settling for outside jumpers all day. 
CSU only had 11 three-point attempts in the game, and they hit five of them, so they were efficient. When they were open, they took them, and they knocked them down. But Isaiah and John were able to do a ton of damage in the mid-range game, and everybody was able to get in the paint. CSU, 42 points in the paint, more than doubled up Air Force. And that was a really big factor. Clearly, you're going to be going up against a much more competent defense this time around. Boise is top 15 in points allowed per game. Ken Palm has them at number nine in adjusted defensive efficiency. And somewhat similarly to San Diego State, they really want to bully you. They're great at forcing you to settle for jump shots, kind of keeping you out of the paint. Teams haven't really been able to make them pay either. But my gut says if this is a game where CSU is jacking up 20 plus threes, probably not going to be a a fun night. They went 4 of 22 from deep the last time that they played Boise State. The Rams have to be able to establish that presence down low, play inside out, create high percentage looks, and just generally attack if they want to have a shot in this one. That's what CSU is best at offensively. But it also opens up the possibility of Boise State getting into foul trouble. You are playing at home, so you would like to think that the whistle would be a little bit more friendly in CSU's favor. But you've got to try and get to the line. You've got to put the pressure on Boise State. And two of their three league losses so far this year, they allowed their opponents to attempt 20-plus free throws, and they allowed 14 in the other. So foul trouble has been an issue for Boise State in their losses, as has three-point shooting. So far this season, they're a pretty good three-point shooting team, and they shot really well against the Rams last time they played. Honestly, though, I thought this in the moment, and I thought it when I went back and rewatched. a lot of those were pretty well defended. Boise made a lot of garbage shots, especially in that first half, a couple of prayers at the end of the shot clock. Guys were just hitting hard shots with hands in their face consistently. In the second half, the, the effort defensively by CSU, not so great. Boise got a lot more easy looks. Early on, though, I felt like the Rams were generally in good position. They were contesting shots. You just had to tip your cap to Boise. This time around, you got to make them work again. Hopefully, you know, some of those prayer shots don't fall this time around. The the averages say they probably wouldn't, statistically speaking. Usually, they're going to regress to the mean. But if you can survive the run, stay steady, play solid defense, and make everything hard on Boise State, you're going to have a shot. They went 2 of 18 from deep in the loss against San Diego State, 5 of 24 from deep in the loss to New Mexico, 5 of 16 against Nevada, which isn't terrible, but Nevada hit 10 of 23. You just don't want another instance where Boise's hitting like 10 plus threes, because if they do, I don't foresee it being a good path for CSU. The Rams are just too streaky offensively, so having to go 3 for 3 all night, just probably not a way that they're going to come out on top. I would just do everything within my power to try and dictate the pace as as best as possible. And that comes down to rebounding. You know, you got to limit second chance opportunities, getting out in transition when you have the the opportunity to and getting those kind of easy buckets before Boise State's able to set up in their half-court defense. The tough part with that, when you look at CSU's lack of depth, the track meet doesn't necessarily favor CSU over the course of 40 minutes either. But I think it just comes down to the dirty work and kind of mucking it up in a way that somewhat resembles the Magnificent Seven and what they were able to do during their winning stretch back in 2017. There's a little bit of luck involved there, but that group was clutch. They played with confidence. They did the dirty work and they punched. They didn't care what the circumstances were. They played like they should have been in it. And you were dumb for doubting them in the first place. It was irrational confidence, but it translated. 
And that group was fearless in the big moments. And ultimately, that's what I would like to see from CSU over these final games. You're not going to be able to make the same type of run that they did, finish second in the Mountain West like the Magnificent Seven. But this team is talented enough to be a tough draw for anybody in Vegas. And I think if they can just kind of figure out their own identity over this last month here, and maybe they started to already in that win over Air Force, it could at least be a fun way to close the year. I'd really like to see CSU potentially avoid that 10-11 matchup in Vegas if possible, just at least give themselves an opportunity to make a run and not get rewarded with like San Diego State or Nevada right off the bat. But we'll see. This league is deep. CSU could really use a win on Wednesday. It would be huge. I will see what happens tonight. Air Force, their double-digit underdogs at Utah State. Ram fans should certainly be pulling for the Aggies in that one. And then on Friday, I think actually Ram fans should want Wyoming to be Air Force because you want that extra loss for the Falcons. And I think CSU should beat Wyoming at home. But we shall see. Definitely looking forward to seeing if CSU can, you know, keep up what they did against Air Force last week, get a big win at home. Make sure you're following all my content both this month and then into the Mountain West tournament and then hopefully some NCAA tournament stuff as well since we're going to have some games in Denver. Some of that is kind of still in flux, but I'm trying to figure that out. Before I go here, I did want to just say that my thoughts and prayers are with the people of East Lansing, Michigan. Tired of living like this, guys. Tired of, of reading about this type of stuff seemingly daily. But my heart goes out to that community. My heart goes out to the Denver East High School community as well. I saw reports that a 16-year-old student was shot. The, the prognosis was not looking good. Obviously, my focus on this podcast is generally sports, things that aren't quite as important, but there's a lot of tough things going on in the world, and uh, my heart goes out to you. So that's all I have for this. Uh, Stay safe out there. Much love, y'all. Peace. Scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly Then drink it like juice But water's the truth So I sip on that too Skinny looking kid With no car keys Like the only thing I drive Is RCRV He's got the stash Like Steve Harvey Oh I'm gnarly Like non from